Alright, we'll go ahead and take your Bibles today and go to Second Chronicles. So it's going to be a lot easier preaching in here than where I was preaching last week. Every once a month we go to uh, the um, Parkway Center. And uh, we have services over there. And I always enjoy going over there. It was, it was kind of weird preaching there last week because they have that place decked out for Halloween like you would not believe. I mean, you go walking in... And behind this window, they've got like a, it's like a little cemetery there, and uh, they've got you know monsters crawling up out of the ground, and this monster baby there, and this guy standing there that lifts his head up off of his shoulders, and I mean just creepy stuff. And you know the funny thing, Allie, she loved it. <laughs> we're we're kind of worried about her. And then we went, they went, and the ladies showing her around, and we went back in one room, and they've got. I mean, just it's creepy looking back there. They got all these spiders and spider webs, and there's this, uh, you know, dead guy sitting there on his couch, looked like he'd been dead for a long time. And then you go back into another room, and it's like a mad scientist, um, you know, layer back there, and it's got Frankenstein monster, very real looking one, laying there on a table, and just, I mean, it was crazy all the stuff that was in there. And I'm like, man, I'm preaching in here. This is kind of weird. <laughs> Uh, it just it didn't really seem like the right setting, but hey, you know the power of the gospel it can it can cut through anything, and we, you know we had we had a great time there. Always enjoy uh, going over there. The folks they uh, they always make us feel very welcome there, and that always helps when you're preaching anywhere, and you know they want you there. And I've been some places before, and they kind of looked at you like, why are you here, and when are you leaving? <laughs> and so, uh, but. I feel good around here. I don't see any, you know, zombies or vampires or anything like that. So uh, that's a that's a blessing. Should be a lot easier. But Second uh, Chronicles chapter sixteen. I want to show you a passage of scripture here. I'm going to give you just a little bit of um, background on what's going on here. Of course, uh, we're continuing on along our theme of uh, asking the Lord to send the laborers. And I, I personally believe that the laborers that we are calling on God to send um, are in this room. I believe it's us and His people. And of course, I, I do believe, uh, I think there's some more out there. There may be some of the laborers that God wants in our church that maybe uh, last night or this morning they're sleeping one off. Maybe some drunk that is yet to get saved. Uh, that we need to reach with the gospel. I believe some of the laborers, they might be some rowdy little kid out there or some teenager that's rebelling against his parents that needs the gospel. They need Jesus Christ in their life and they need God to change them. And they might become our next, you know, leaders in this church and they might be the ones. There may be somebody that just last night they were singing in the bar, uh, that maybe before long they'll be singing here in church. And not singing in the bars anymore. <laughs> and uh, that's that's what we want. That's what we want to see. And in this passage that we're going to read, there's a man here by the name of Asa, who's the, who's the king at the time. And Asa, he had a very wicked father. He had a very wicked mother. It was uh, he was the, I believe, great or great great grandson of David. He had David and then Solomon. And Solomon was good. And then he had Rehoboam that went bad. And then Rehoboam had Abijah. And then Abijah had Asa. So we have Asa now. And Asa, he, he did a lot of good things for many years. Asa, his mother was the queen and she was wicked. He removed his own mother from being queen. He did the right thing there. God was pleased. And much of what he did, but later on in his life, we see some things that change. We see Asa not trusting God like he should have trusted Him. And there's a statement that 
God makes here, but something that God is looking for. And that's what I really want us to take note of today because I believe that you know, the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe that God's looking for the same thing today. And I hope that we will be the church and that we will be the people that will raise our hand and say, hey, it's right here. Because we can be exactly what God is looking for. And so we'll start reading Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 7. It says, And at that time Hananiah the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said unto him, because thou hast relied on the king of Syria and not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. What he's saying there about relying on the king of Syria, um, they had escaped. He trusted that the king of Syria and this king of Syria's abilities more than he trusted in God's abilities. And because of that, because he was so worried about that, he said he's, he's escaping out of your hand. And then he says, Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, He delivered them into thine hand. And then notice verse 9. This is the one I really want to pay attention to. He says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward Him. Herein thou hast done foolishly Therefore, from henceforth, thou shalt have wars. Asa made a huge mistake when he did not trust in God. Before, when he was up against the Ethiopians, he just did the right thing. He's like, hey, this is too big for us to handle. We're going to have to trust in God. And sure enough, God delivered them. God did a great miracle there. But here, for some reason, when it came to Syria, he got to looking at the matchup there and he got to thinking, we can't. It was probably closer than it was with the Ethiopians, but for some reason, he left God out of the picture and he got focused on himself and his abilities and the uh, Syrians and their abilities. And this, God said, was this is foolish what you've done. From here on out, you're going to have wars because you did not rely on God. And he says God's looking, he's looking through the earth. He's going through the world looking for somebody who has a perfect heart towards him so he can show himself strong. I believe God wants to do that today. I believe that God is just as powerful today as he ever was. And a lot of times you say, well then why don't we see it? I believe it's because he's not finding that perfect heart towards him. And notice in verse 10, it says then Asa was wroth with the seer and put him in prison. A seer, it was, it was a prophet. And I feel sorry for the prophets back then. They had to go tell the kings what God told them. Okay, And it's like you got to either tell them what God said or what they want to hear. And either way, somebody's going to be mad at you. If you tell the king what God said, the king's probably going to get mad at you. If you tell them what the king wants to hear, then God's going to get mad at you. And so sure enough, Asa, he got mad. It says, for he was in a rage with him because of the thing. And Asa oppressed some of the people at that time. And behold, the acts of Asa, first and last, lo, they are written in the books, book of the kings of Judah and Israel. I mean, it's sad. Asa was a good king for so many years, and there at the end, he changed. And then verse 12, And Asa, in the thirty and ninth year of his reign, was diseased in his feet until his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease, he sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. And Asa slept with his fathers and died in the one and fortieth year of his reign. Asa didn't learn his lesson. Instead of going to God and praying, he went. He just he trusted in the physicians. Uh, they said there's nothing we can do. Well, the physician said it. It's got to happen. Boy, we do that a lot when doctors tell us, give us some bad news. Oh, that's it. 
Might as well not even pray. Well, we can pray for it, but I don't think anything's going to happen. And this was a mistake, and sure enough, Asa died. You know, Hezekiah, some generations later, I'm wondering if maybe he learned from Asa when he found out he was going to die. The Bible says he prayed to God and he asked him for 15 more years. And you know what? God gave it to him. Because God can answer prayers. God's looking for somebody that has a perfect heart towards them. Now that, that perfect heart too, you don't think, well, I've already blown that because I'm not perfect. Okay, this isn't talking about sinless perfection here. We all know that none of us fit that category, that none of us are completely perfect. But the definition for perfect in this passage is complete or especially friendly, full, just, made ready, peaceable, quiet, or whole. What he's basically saying, God's saying here, is he's looking for some, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him, or complete towards him, or at peace. How often do we say that we trust God, but whenever we start to pray for something, we're not at peace? I mean, we're in turmoil. We're devastated. We're worried. We're thinking it's going to be the end of the world. And we're not at peace at all. And God's looking for somebody whose heart is at peace with Him. That they're not doubting Him. That they're complete. That, hey, this is in the hands of God and I'm okay with whatever He does. And we're calm about it. And I know a lot of times we're a lot better at panicking than we are about being calm. But God's looking for that He's looking for that calmness in the life of His people. As a church, and as, as Christians, and I'm going to speak just as a church as a whole, there's going to be many challenges and things that are going to come up that we're going to have to face. And God is looking for a church that's heart is perfect and at peace with Him. Because the truth is, the, the problems and things that we're going to face are not unique. I don't know if you noticed, but you know, all churches have problems. All churches go through difficult times. All Christians... I mean, they fight battles. There's things we're going to go through, and most we always think that our problems are the worst in the world, and nobody else is going through anything like what we're going through. But the truth is, there are. There's a lot of people going through the same thing, and so. But we want God to notice us. We want God to pay attention to what's going on, and we want God to show Himself strong. And I believe today that He's going through churches, and He's looking, and He's He's watching those people, and He's looking into their hearts. And he's looking for people whose heart is perfect towards him, who people who they are at peace that God's going to do something great. I hope you're at peace that God is going to bless Liberty Baptist Church. I hope you're not here today thinking, man, Liberty Baptist Church is in trouble. I think we're about done for. I mean, boy, if something doesn't happen here pretty quick, I mean, we're going to have to shut our doors and we're going to have, we're, we're done for. I hope you're not feeling that way today. I hope you're at peace that God is going to do something. It may be easy now while we're not going through anything devastating, but what if something changes? What if something bad does happen? What if all of a sudden, you know, we have a big church split? Or what if something happens and, hey, what if I croak? Alright? I'm not guaranteed to live forever. I know I'm only 32 years old, but what, what's going to happen? You know, are we, how, how are our hearts going to be in that situation? And we need to make sure that we trust God to fight our battles and overcome our obstacles. And if we're going to have that heart that's perfect towards, and there's some things that we're going to have to do in our life on purpose, otherwise we're going to have those, we're going to have those doubts. Our hearts aren't going to be perfect. 
towards them. You know, husbands, don't you love it when maybe there's a project around the house that needs to be done and you tell your wife, alright, I've got this, I'm going to do it, and they just look at you like, are you sure that you can do this? You think, you know, maybe we ought to call a professional or somebody else in. It's, how dare you think I can't do this? I'll show you how that's done. But don't, don't you just love that? No, you hate that, alright? It makes you, it makes you feel bad. And, but in God, I think we do the same thing with Him. Whenever there's a challenge and the Lord's like, alright, I can take care of that. I'm going to be there with you. Lord, are you sure you can do this? I think the only way we're going to get out of this situation is if so and so in the church does this, or if, you know, pastor does this. Or really, you really think your pastor can outdo me? Alright, hey, when, when you're the husband, nobody's supposed to be able to outdo you on anything. Alright, and, you know, uh, unfortunately, you know, history has proved that I can be outdone in quite a few projects <laughs> around the house and uh, mechanics and things like that. But with God, nobody's going to outdo Him. But we act like things will. And we need to make sure the first thing we do is that we remove the causes of doubts in our life. There are things in our life that will cause us to doubt more. You don't have to turn there, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but or that means fleshly of the flesh, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We've got we've got weapons here today, alright? As a church. Alright, we're we're a packing church, alright? We're packing weapons, alright? Now I don't think anybody in here is carrying guns or knives or anything like that, but listen, we're packing the sword of the Spirit right here. That's a powerful weapon. We've got the Holy Spirit in our life. And if we're full of the Holy Spirit, if we're following the commandments of God, I mean, that packs a punch right there. Okay, I mean, people, uh, listen, the wicked, they don't like it. They don't like when they see God's people doing what they're supposed to do. Because our weapons are powerful. Satan doesn't like it. The bigger impact we start to have on this community, the more battles we're going to have with Satan because he's not going to like it. He's not going to like us getting victory in the lives of people. And our weapons are mighty, okay? We, I hope you don't have this attitude of, you know, we're weak, we're a bunch of wimps, we're in trouble. I don't like that. I like people that have some confidence. You know, I mean, with, with guys, you know, we're, we're not supposed to admit anybody can beat us up. doesn't matter how big and how strong they got. I could take him. You know, I, I could handle that. And, you know, I've, got, I've still got Allie convinced that I'm Superman. Alright? You know, if me and Superman are going to get in a fight, uh, you know, in her mind, I've got her convinced I'm going to win that fight. And I, I'm not going to admit otherwise. You know, hey, I, I, want to be, I, I want to be confident. And that's, uh, that's a good thing. But boy, as Christians sometimes, Ah, oh, boy, I don't know if we can handle that. We're getting, you know, the news media is saying bad stuff about Christians. Oh, really, you really think the news media is going to be able to take down the church? The Bible said the gates of hell wouldn't be able to prevail against. Uh, you don't know what the politicians are trying to do, and you don't, you really think the politicians are more powerful than God. You think their weapons, well, they can pass these laws. Hey, you really think that they can outdo what we've got? That's not having a perfect heart. Towards God. And then verse 5, it says, casting down imaginations and everything that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We've got to make sure that we are removing the things that cause us to doubt in our life. Casting down imaginations. Did you know that most of the things that we fear are in our imagination? For an example, 
You know, maybe when you were a kid, you were scared of the boogeyman. All right, you might have been scared of him. That was all in your head. Okay, he's not real. He doesn't exist. Most of, I mean, you know, kids are scared. You know, maybe they're scared of the dark. And you know, you've told them parents, oh, there's nothing in the dark that's not there in the light. But not in their mind. Their imaginations, they run wild. They go crazy. You know, my wife, she gets scared all the time of stuff, you know, thinking that somebody's going to break in the house. We left the garage door open the other night. You know, somebody could have come in and killed us. I left the axe out in our yard one day. Somebody could have come by there and seen that axe and come in and chop us all up with the axe. I was like, that's imagination, okay? <laughs> that's just, that's imaginations. I mean, I guess it's possible, but it, it, you know, it didn't happen, and it's probably not going to happen. And most of the things that we worry about are all in our mind. And the truth is, there's many times Christian people that will talk about things that are probably going to destroy the church, that are going to destroy us as Christians, and you know what? They don't happen. They're all in our imagination. Anything that we think can outdo God is in our imagination. And a lot of times we won't admit it, but we really do. We really think it. We think that there's things that we can't do. I mean, there's, there's no way we can win that person to Christ. Why? Is the Holy Spirit not strong enough? Because if you think that, that's in your that's your imagination. That's not scriptural, and it's not true. You really, if you don't think God can really change that person, that's your imagination, and we've got to cast those things down. And we've got and we've got we can do that by making sure one we don't listen to the faithless. There are those that are out there that just they have no faith in anything. They don't believe that anything can be done, that anything can happen. I talked to a pastor. Uh, from uh, from this area, and uh, I mentioned I was buying something for the church, and I mentioned the church name. He's like, "Oh, Liberty Baptist Church." This was right after we got started, and uh, he had, uh, he was like, oh, "How's it going out there?" Oh, it's going good. You know, the Lord's blessing everything, and he just started talking about his church and just talking about basically how terrible it's going over there and how horrible his church is. And I, I was depressed after talking to him, and he was just like, "Well." Sure hope you can get things going over there. I mean, just made it sound like we didn't have a chance. <laughs> and I remember thinking, good night. Just I don't want to talk to this guy very much. He'll he had me down. <laughs> and there's other people I talk to that just act like there's no way you're gonna be able to get a church going in this area. You know, I don't talk to those people very much. I want to talk to people that have faith that are going to encourage me. Uh, one of my favorite people to talk to every once in a while I talk to him on the phone. Uh, he's pastoring now in Minnesota, Caleb Hansen. That guy, when he talks, he's been here and preached before. Some of you might remember him. He's just always excited, always upbeat. And I mean, I just get fired up every time I talk to him. That's just his attitude. I get excited. I mean, I start telling about things that God's doing. Man, he just gets all excited. He's one of those when he calls you on the phone, Brother Tommy! You know, he just gets all, he's always all excited. I mean, just, I've never seen the guy tired or out of energy. I don't know how he does it, where it comes from. But the guy's got a lot of faith. And I like that. It rubs off on me. I get done talking to him and I think I'm the greatest pastor in the world. You know, just because that's how that's how he makes you feel. And faith, it uh don't talk listen to the faithless. And they're out there. And boy, they they're loud and they make a lot of noise. But don't listen to them. Don't bring things into your life that cause doubt. Philippians four six, be careful for nothing. In other words, being careful means just being uh, being concerned and worried about. Don't be worried about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, 
which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. When we go to God in prayer for something, what's supposed to happen is the peace of God supposed to come over us. Hey Lord, I've got a challenge right now. We're praying for laborers in the church right now so God can do great things here so we can see more people saved, so we can see the church grow. And that's a pretty tall order. That's a, that's a pretty big thing. And when we pray about it, if we're praying right, if our hearts are right, we're going to be at peace that God's going to do it, that God's going to accomplish something. But you might be thinking, well, I'm not at peace. Well, maybe it's because you're thinking about the wrong things. Notice the next verse, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Think about the good things. But if you notice, we usually think about the opposite. I challenge you, look at all those things, write it down, go home, watch the news for an hour. Look at every single story that comes on and it's all going to be about some lie somebody told, something that's dishonest, something that was some injustice that was done, some kind of you know scandal that took place, something ugly that happened. Boy, I mean, that's what it's all about, and that's what we fill our heads with anymore. We wonder why people think it's the end of the world all the time and that nothing good is going to happen. We've got to learn to just ignore those things. Keep them out of our life and focus on things that are right. We ought to follow those who've shown evidence of faith in their life. Paul, right after that in verse 9, he says, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. He said, if you'll follow my example here, the God of peace is going to be with you. That peace that passes all understanding, it's going to be in your hearts and your minds. We need to do that. We need to follow those who have shown evidence of faith in their lives. Also, another thing we need to do to keep us from doubting, we've got to protect ourselves from that. We need to, uh, one of the ways we do that, we put on the whole armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 through 18. We see it says, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to quench all of the fiery darts of the devil. We want, if we have the armor of God on, we can feel safe because we're not exposed to the attacks of the devil. I heard a story one time. It's a, so the state trooper stopped a 95-year-old woman on on the interstate and noticed she was checking her driver's license that she had a concealed carry permit. He said, "Got any guns with you, man?" She said, "Yes, a 45 Smith and Wesson in the glove compartment, a 357 Magnum in the console, and a 38 Special in my purse." The trooper said, "Lady, what are you scared of?" She said, absolutely nothing. <laughs> and the truth is, when we are equipped and prepared, when we've done what God says, when we put on the whole armor of God, when we take that shield of faith, and we have the sword of the Spirit, we don't have to work. If you have the shield of faith, it says it will quench all of the fiery darts. We don't have to worry about what Satan throws at us. As a church, if we have real faith, in this church. We have that perfect heart towards God. When Satan starts throwing things at us, we're fine. We're protected from it. Listen, I don't want Satan to attack. I don't want the devil to attack. But he's probably going to. And we've just got to say, hey, it's going to happen. Let's do what God's commanded us to do. He's told us how to protect ourselves. He's told us how to be prepared. 
Let's let's do it. Let's rely on Him. Let's be obedient to the Scriptures, and we'll we'll quench those fiery darts of the devil. The other thing we have to do is we have to keep our eyes on Christ. Hebrews chapter twelve verse two says, "Looking unto Jesus, the Author and Finisher of our faith." He's the Author and the Finisher of our faith. And my wife, she likes to you know she likes to read books and watch. I you know I call them chick flicks and female movies and. You know, she watched this movie the other day where nothing but bad things happened to this lady. I mean, her whole life just pretty much stunk. I mean, that was that was the whole story. I mean, I, I don't even remember everything, but I was just like, that is depressing. You know, and you know they like watching sad stories that make them cry and all that, and it just I, I'm not I'm not into that. All right, that's just not something I really care about. But you know, do we really think that the Lord is trying? If we believe that God is the author and the finisher of our faith. Do we really think he's trying to create a horror movie with us? Do we really think he's trying to do some sad, horrible story that's just going to make people cry? No. We see in the Bible that God loves victory. God loves triumph. And He wants that in our life. And He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Whatever we're going through, this is something that... You know, God's the author. Okay? He's the one that's in control. So you know you watch you know you you read some of these books and I always ask the question I always ask is what is with these authors that they want to write about something so depressing and the reason is it makes money people like people like reading that stuff they like watching it's like man if I was going to make that movie I'm just going to make a movie where nothing bad happens just starts out good in the middle it's good it ends good but the problem is nobody's going to want to watch it <laughs> we all like that conflict that's in there but I believe God wants. He wants us to be victorious. He's the author and finisher of our faith. If our if we are trusting and relying on Him, if our eyes are on Christ, we're like, okay, Lord, I know we're going through a battle right now, but You're in this thing. You're with me. I believe that all things work together for good to them who are called of God, or to them who love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. We've got to keep our eyes on Christ. We've got to ignore the things that distract us from Him. He, uh, Matthew chapter 14, verse 23. I'm not going to take time to read the story, but you remember the story about Peter when he walked on the water. And they're there and it's storming out. And so they're, they're nervous. The disciples, they're scared. And all of a sudden they see Jesus walking on the water. And of course, they didn't have a lot of faith. They thought it was a spirit. They probably thought it was something coming to, you know, the Grim Reaper coming to take them because they were all going to die and they're panicking. But they realized that it was Jesus. And Peter, he wanted to come out to where he was and walk in that water. And he did. He got out there in the water. The Bible says that he got to looking at the winds and the waves that were out there and said he began to sink. As soon as he got his eyes off Christ, he began to sink. And he went down and noticed uh, you know, Jesus after he gets him out of that water. He says, Lord, save me. He looks back at Christ. Jesus takes his hand, gets him out of the water. Leads him back to the boat. And notice what he says to Peter, Oh, ye of little faith. Hey, I'd be impressed if he walked on water at least a little bit. But Jesus said, Oh, ye of little faith. You know, why did you doubt? It would always upset Jesus and it uh, would discourage him when his disciples would, uh, you know, when they would doubt him, when they wouldn't trust him. And, uh, but he got distracted. Sometimes, if we're not careful, we're going to get looking at all those challenges and things that are out there. I mean, we might get to looking 
at the bills and things and things. It's the it's the end of the world. We're done for. We can't handle. It. We'll get to looking at maybe people, and we'll see the you know, you know people fail, people mess up, people do wrong, and we'll get to looking at other people and thinking that's it. We're done for. It's not going to happen. But the truth is, uh, we've got to remember keep our eyes on Christ. Those other things are just distractions. Satan knows if he can get our eyes off Christ, then we're not going to have faith. And if we don't have that shield of faith up, then he can get us with his fiery darts. And we've got to make sure that we keep that faith in Christ, that we're at peace. That, that's having that perfect heart towards God. He's looking for that. He's going through the world. He's searching to and fro. It's Unfortunately, it's not real common to see that kind of faith. Even in churches, boy, you'd think that he would he could look at any church. Oh, there's the Christians there. Look at all the faith that they have. But I believe that he's even having trouble finding it on the earth. He asked his disciples. He made he asked the question. He said, "You know, when the Son of Man cometh, talking about when he returns, will he find faith on the earth?" He wondered because it was hard to find back then when Jesus was walking among them. Well, and what we've got to do is we've got to remember to just believe His Word and trust it. Because Jesus, He's not walking on earth today, but He wants us to have faith, a perfect heart towards Him. We have that perfect heart by relying completely on what His Word says. In Luke chapter 24, verse 4, this is after the resurrection of Christ. It says, and it came to pass, the folk they come there to the grave and He's gone. They can't find Jesus. And it says, And it came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. These are angels. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how He spake unto you when He was yet in Galilee? These angels said, Why are you searching for the living among the dead? But the truth is, they weren't searching for the living, were they? They thought they were looking for the dead. They were looking for the body of Christ and these angels. So, why? hey, y'all are here to see Jesus, right? Because he told you. Remember when he was in Galilee? He said that this was going to happen. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus? That's what we've got to do. There's going to be people that are going to tell us everything that's opposite of the Bible. There's going to be situations and circumstances that cause it to look like they're right. But what we always have to do is go back and say, you know what? I remember what the Word of the Lord says. This is what this is what the Bible says. This is what God said to do. I'm going to trust in that. Who cares what everybody else is saying? I'm... I'm going to rest my case on what the Bible says. Not be in doubt about it. I don't care if all the other churches start preaching something different. I don't care if I'm in the minority. I don't care what happens. I'm going to trust the Scriptures. That needs to be our attitude. And we're secure in that. We don't have this attitude of, boy, I just went forward in church last week and asked Jesus to save me. I sure hope I'm not going to hell. You know, but don't have that attitude. That shouldn't be your attitude. I mean, hey, I called on the name of the Lord. His word says, "For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved." I talked to somebody just yesterday, and I asked him. I said, "Hey, do you know if you die today, you go to heaven? Are, are, are you sure?" And he's like, "Well, I, I sure hope so." I said, "You don't want to just hope it. So like, don't don't you want to know it?" And you know, kept talking about how well, I got baptized. Well, I, I, that's good. I'm glad to hear you got baptized. But when did you? When did you get saved? And boy, just couldn't get that out of him. And I told him, I said, boy, 
You need you need to know it. And be praying. I'm planning on going over there. Uh, one of the members of that family said that uh, they want to get saved. They, they want to know more about it. And I'm telling you, uh, we can know that. And we don't have to doubt it. When God say, when when we pray and ask Jesus to save us, He doesn't want us walking around scared to death that we're going to die and go to hell. We need to trust Him. Have faith. We rest on what the Scripture says. But then finally, if we're gonna, if, if, when it comes to that perfect heart, because remember, our, you know, our, we're talking about sending the labors and God doing a work in our lives. We've got to learn to ignore ourselves and our abilities. In Philippians four thirteen, Paul said, "I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me." Paul recognized what he accomplished was through Christ and what he he does. But unfortunately, many times we focus on our own weaknesses. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 10, when God told Moses, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh, Moses said in verse 11, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? You know, and then God said, Certainly I will be with thee. I'll tell you who Moses was. He was the one that God called, he was the one that God asked. Therefore, he was the one that should do it. And Moses, he kept talking about himself. And then if you go to chapter 4, uh, the next passages, I mean, once again, he starts talking about, you know, I'm slow with speech. And God got angry with him. God was upset with him because he kept talking about himself. Did not I tell you that I would be with you? Why are you even thinking about yourself? See, God uses people. But it's God that does the work. And unfortunately, many times the reason we are not at peace when it comes to what God maybe is calling us to do is because we're too busy thinking about ourselves and our abilities. And if we do that, we're going we're gonna to doubt. We're not going to have a perfect heart. Don't worry about, uh, you know, don't worry about what uh, your abilities are. Worry about what God is able to do. And He can do anything. And I love in chapter 4, verse 18, after God tells Moses all these things I want you to do, hey, you're going to go to Pharaoh and you're going to tell him to let the people go and he's not going to do it. And then I'm going to start doing all these mighty works and then it's going to work. And God tells him, you know, Moses, go bring about the biggest deliverance that has ever taken place. And after he gives him this instructions, he said, go in peace. I mean, what if God said came to you and said, hey, I want you to deliver some country out of bondage or under some dictator? Okay, <laughs> you know, are you sure? Do you really want me to do that? God tells Moses, He said, "Go in peace." I'm going to be. I'm going to admit it. When the Lord called me to preach, I was a little nervous for a while. I was. When the Lord called me to start the church here, I was kind of nervous about it. And honestly, looking back, I feel bad because the truth is, when God tells us to do something, if we really have faith, He says, "Go in peace." We ought to be fine with it. Lord calls me to be a missionary to Timbuktu, Africa, or whatever. Hey, He called me. Let's go in peace. But no, that's that's what a perfect heart does, and that's what we've got to do. We've got to remember who's with us. Jeremiah, in chapter one, God called Jeremiah. He said, "Hey, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee." God made Jeremiah for something specific, and Jeremiah he's scared. God told him, He said, don't be afraid of their faces. He said, I'm going to be with you. We need to remember who's with us. I believe that God is with us in this church. And for us to fear anything, 
is an insult to God. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conversation be made without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. I think you can say including your abilities. For He hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man can do unto me. You know what? We ought to be able to boldly say around here, I'm not talking about being prideful and strutting around, but we ought to be able to boldly say, God's going to do great things at Liberty Baptist Church. God's, I'm, I'm excited about what God's going to do. Not because we're confident in ourselves, but because the Lord is my helper. Because He has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And we can boldly say, I believe that God's going to answer my prayer. I believe that God... Listen to what I say. I believe that I'm going to heaven. And I'm not bragging. I just trust God. I'm at peace with God. And I hope you will strive to have a perfect heart towards God. Be at peace. Trust Him. He's looking for that. He's looking right now for it. And that could be you. That could be us. And I know I want it to. And I hope you do too. So let's all stand together. With our heads bowed and eyes closed.